This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Last week, I read an article from uh, Time of Grace. It's a, a ministry that, that has incredible uh, tools, and, and, and uh, the article was entitled, Not Safer at Home. In fact, I think there's a link to this blog post in our notes uh, on the right side of your screen. Um, this whole idea of not safer at home. And, and, and the point of the article was is that, you know, as all of us are, are maybe trying to, to quarantine and, and stay at home, that, that this is supposed to keep us safe from the virus. For some people, they're not safer at home. In some homes, in fact, uh, the women and, and the children are in danger from people who are oppressive, who are abusive, who are controlling. In fact, some people even use God's word to harm and control the women in their life. And so for some people, they're not safe at home, especially some women. And this article is bringing out something that's been going on for thousands of years. The reality of gender inequality. And, and, and that in, in so many parts of the world, in so many different communities and neighborhoods, there's gender inequality, unequal rights, unequal value, and unequal protection. And so for some women especially, it's, it's more dangerous. They're, they're not safer at home. They're not safer in their community. They're not safer at work. They're not, they're not safer sometimes even at church. And so this is a real problem. And we want people, especially women, to be safe wherever they are. And so there's been some different ideas and experiments as to how to make our world a safer place for all people, especially for women. So we look at this whole idea of of gender inequality. Some people believe that if you would just get rid of the idea of gender then you wouldn't have inequality. If you could just get rid of gender, then you wouldn't have inequality. And so we've tried a couple different things. You might have noticed that in some, some hospitals now don't require you to put a gender on a birth certificate because the, the idea is if we just get rid of gender, we won't have inequality. Or, or for example, um, trying to get rid of genders in bathrooms or genders in other places so that so that if we could just get rid of gender, we wouldn't have this problem of inequality. Now, if you look at that and you think that gender is the problem, well, that's a big problem for Christians. Because as you look at the Bible, gender is everywhere in the Bible. It's all over. The Bible's always talking about men and women and their distinctiveness and their different roles and the different things that they bring to the table. And so they're always talking about differences of men and women throughout the Bible. And that's why some people believe that the Bible is the problem. It's because of the Bible that women are not safe at home. It's because of the Bible that, that women are, 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 are treated as second-class citizens. Some people think that, and, and that can, helps us kind of get into our sermon today. We're, we're continuing a sermon series called, Who Told You That? And in this sermon series, we're talking about maybe different things you've heard about Christianity. And today we want to talk about this whole, whole idea of, who told you that, that the Bible is anti-woman or, or the Bible promotes inequality between men and women. 
And so maybe that's something you heard. In fact, maybe some of you are embarrassed to be a Christian because you're embarrassed of what the Bible says about the differences between men and women. And maybe you're ashamed of this. And maybe this is one of the reasons that you walked away from the church. Or maybe one of the reasons why you don't want to become a Christian. And so here's the question I want to answer today. How can we make our communities safer for everyone, especially women? Where women can be safer at home, safer at work, safer in the community, and safer at church. And so let's dive into the scriptures and and discuss this whole idea of gender. Now, Now, where does the Bible begin to talk about men and women and this whole differences between men and women and gender distinctiveness? Where does that begin? Is that page 800 in the Bible? Is that page 500, page 100? It's actually on page one. On page one of the Bible, when God creates the first two human beings, he creates a man and a woman. And it's very clear. So here's the text. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created created them, male and female. Actually, Jesus quotes this when, in Matthew 19 when he talks about marriage. He says, you know, in the beginning when he created human beings, he created a man and a woman. And so right away on the first page of the Bible, you can't erase this. You can't change this. If you're a, a Bible-believing Christian, uh, this is all over the Bible, the differences between men and women and the distinctiveness that God created two genders. And again, this might offend you. This might uh, make you feel ashamed. Maybe it makes you question if you should be a Christian or not. And, and here's what I want to tell you. This verse in the Bible, well, it's always been offensive. It's been offensive for thousands of years, but for different reasons. You see, when Moses wrote these words, he was writing about 3,400 years ago. And when he was writing this word, these words, it would have been very offensive to the different nations that, that the Israelites would have bumped into. Nations like the Egyptians or the Canaanites or the Assyrians or the Babylonians. They would have been offended, not because Moses mentions men and women, but because he says they're equal in value. That would have been offensive to ancient cultures that both men and women were created in God's image and they had equal value, equal rights. They deserved equal protection. They were equal. In fact, this verse is the foundation for human rights. This verse of the Bible, I want you to know that if this verse were not in the Bible, the whole idea of human rights would be non-existent. Because no other culture or country or background or worldview has given us human rights. You can't find the foundation for human rights in Hinduism. You won't find it in Islam. You won't find it in even Darwinian evolution. There's nothing in any of these different worldviews that tell us that humans have basic rights. That whether you're black or white, old or young... Male or female, no matter who you are, if you're a human being, you deserve equal treatment. You deserve protection. You deserve love. You deserve to be valued. 
It is only through the Bible. In fact, the places where the Bible is reached, that's when they start discovering this idea of human rights. It's only through the Bible. The, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, the ancient Babylonians, is there. none of them believe that. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul brings this out also. In Galatians chapter 3, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, doesn't matter your race, neither slave nor free, no matter your socioeconomic status, neither male nor female, doesn't matter your gender, you are all one in Christ. Now, this would have been an incredibly radical idea to the people that Paul was writing to in Galatia, in the Roman Empire. Because in, in Roman culture in the first century, it was all about power. Sex was about power. Money was about power. Politics was about power. And the goal of all of it was to, to be on top and to oppress people. To, to make other people serve you. And, and so that was the whole, the whole thing was inequality. That was the goal is to be number one. That was the goal of Roman culture. And so when Paul is writing this and he says, none of that matters. In Christ, you're all equal, a slave and a free person, a man and a woman, old and young, black and white, Jew and Gentile can all eat the same table. This was a mind-blowing concept in the first century. But that's the point of Christianity. Christianity says we're all equal. Human beings are equal, equal in value, equal in rights, equal in our desire and need and what we deserve for protection. So if we're all equal, if men and women are equal, why this distinctiveness? Why still talk about a man and a woman? Why make this, this contrast even from the first page of Scripture? Well, let's look at that again. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created human beings, it says in, in the verse before, in his likeness, in his image. Just like a, a mirror reflects your image, God created human beings to reflect his image. We're not supposed to be God, we're supposed to reflect God like a mirror. And there is something about being a man that reflects the characters and qualities of God. And, and, and guess what? There is something distinctive about being a woman that reflects the character and qualities of God. That if we didn't have the distinctiveness of a woman, we would miss out on who God is. We would miss out on an image of God. We would miss out on, 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 on a reflection of who God is. I mean, just for an example, a couple things that, 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 that about being a woman that reflect the character of God. Not the only thing, but one thing is only women can give life. Only women can give life. And, and God is the ultimate author of life. Uh, women are, are known for, for their, their love and their beauty and their nurturing capabilities, their, how much they, they love. That is a quality of God's beauty and his love and his faithfulness. 
And so this is what you need to know. This is what you need to know. Our first uh, point, that take this home with you, that, that women uniquely reflect the glory of God. Women uniquely reflect the glory of God. If we, if we miss out on, on getting to know the, the women in our, in, in our lives, we miss out on learning about God. And that's why anytime a woman is harmed or hurt or belittled or treated as a second-class citizen in the church or in the community or at work or in the home, that is a grievous sin. Because that person is created in the image of God and deserves dignity and respect. I had a professor who, who taught us this at, at seminary. Uh, he was teaching us what he did when he would teach like a pre-marriage counseling class when he'd sit down with this, this young couple. They're getting ready to get married. And he would take them to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And, and my professor, you have to picture this, this very um, tall man with, with huge arms and hands. And he's, he just looks like somebody you don't want to mess with. And, and he's sitting down with this couple. And, and this is the verse that he would read to them. He would say, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. As the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So this professor, he, he told us what he would do. He would sit down with this couple and he'd look right at the man who's about to get married. And he said, listen to what Peter is telling you by inspired by God. He says, husband, you better be considerate with your wife and treat her with respect. Uh, she might be weaker. You might, I mean, biologically, you might, you might just be able to, if you wanted to use your strength to dominate her, you might be able to do that. But if you do, you need to realize that she's an heir. Peter says she's an heir. An heir means she is a daughter of God. And then the professor would say, and I have daughters. And if you mess with one of my daughters, you mess with me. And always stuck with me. And so I, I, I have a son and two daughters, and that, that's what... That's what I tell our son. I said, nobody messes with my daughters. Nobody messes with the women in our life. And, and so what is our job? And, and he'll say, protect our women, right? Nobody messes with, with, with my daughters. And nobody messes with my wife. And if that's how human beings feel about their daughters, how much more does God feel about his daughters? And so that's what this professor would say. He'd look at the man and he says, you better treat her with respect because what does Peter say? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. God is saying, I'm not going to listen to your prayers if you don't respect that woman in your life. If you don't treat her with respect. If you don't care for her and listen to her and lift her up and honor her. I'm not going to listen to your prayers. In fact, uh, you're going to come under the, the wrath of God. You know, when I hear about, about husbands um, controlling or abusing or manipulating their wives emotionally or physically, and then especially when they, they try to use God's word to justify their actions, I am scared for them. I'm scared for them. I'm scared for the day they have to stand before an almighty God, a father of one of his daughters, and answer for what they've done. And so God is calling all people to make it safe at home, safe in the community, safe in the church, for all people especially for women. 
And so here's what you need to know. Here's, what, here's the take home point. What does God want us to do? What does God want men and women to do? Here's what you need to do. Spend more time with Jesus. Spend more time with Jesus, men. First of all, spend more time on your knees before Jesus, asking him to forgive you and me. Asking him to forgive us for any way that we treated one of his daughters with disrespect. Spend time on your knees calling out for the blood of Jesus to wash away our sin. That somehow God would have mercy on our souls. Spend time praying to God for his mercy and forgiveness. And then men, spend some time with Jesus so you and I, we can learn what a real man looks like. Because one of the things that's interesting about about, about first century and about, about Jesus is that there was no women who were afraid to be around Jesus. And that was unique. Many women were afraid to be with the religious leaders that if they didn't like one of the women, the religious leaders could trump up some charges and have the women stoned to death, but they were never afraid to be around Jesus. The women were afraid to be around other men that they might be abused or hurt or harmed, but they were never afraid to be around Jesus because Jesus honored them. He lifted them up. In fact, um, Jesus' whole ministry was funded by women. Mary Magdalene and, and Salome and others funded Jesus' ministry. He honored them. He knew that he's, in a way he was, he was saying, I can't do my ministry without the women who support my ministry. He respected them. He, he said, men, if you look at a woman lustfully, not even you touch a woman, but if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So men, spend more time with Jesus to figure out what it means to be a man. What it means to be a man is to lead Lead your homes, lead your churches, lead your communities in a sacrificial way. Lay down your life for the women in your life. That's what it means. Spend more time with Jesus so you can learn to lay down your life for them. Just like Jesus laid down his life for you. Lay down your life. That's how you lead. If you heard anything in the Bible about men being the head of the household or men leading the church, that means you lay your head on the line. You lay your head to be sacrificed. But women also spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus to see what Jesus thinks about you. That he welcomes you into his presence. That you don't need to be afraid to be around Jesus. That he washes you of any kind of guilt or shame that's been placed in you. Jesus said, I had to go to Samaria. Um, He says, I have to go there because he knew there was a woman there waiting at the well who had been through six different marriages, living with a man, felt filled with guilt and shame. And and he looked at her and said, I have living water to give you. I'm going to give you this living water, forgiveness and hope and life in me. Spend more time with Jesus to see how much you are honored and loved and lifted up. See how beautiful you are in God's eyes. And then there's this kind of unique thing. See if I can explain this well, that, that there is a way, yes, that men are supposed to take the role of Jesus by being a sacrificial leader, and laying their head on the line. But in a way, there's also a way that a woman is supposed to take the role of Jesus also. See, Jesus followed the Father. Jesus trusted the Father. Jesus held up the Father. Jesus was equal with the Father, but he also followed the Father. And in the same way, as, as women trust and follow the men in their life, they are taking the role of Jesus in some way. That both men and women are called to play the role of Jesus. And so 
Spend more time with Jesus. And, and, and we've been going through uh, the book of Romans as we've been walking through this, this sermon series. And as we go through the letter of Romans, we see that Paul, who wrote the letter, he must have spent a lot of time meditating on the words of Jesus, spending more time with Jesus, because look at how he treated women. At the end of his letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 16, as he's, he's sending this letter and he's telling the audience how they should treat the women who are accompanying this letter. Look at how Paul Look what Paul does. You can tell he spent some time with Jesus because at the very end of the letter, the first person he mentions is a woman, which is a radical idea in that Roman culture. In Romans chapter 16, he says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church of Cancrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So he commends her. It means he honors her. He's lifting up this woman. Now this woman, Phoebe, uh, many people believe she's mentioned first. So she might have been the one actually carrying the letter of the, to the Romans, the letter that Paul is writing here. And maybe even Phoebe would be the one who's reading it in the church before all the congregations as it, it traveled around other congregations. And it says here that she is a deacon, She's a deacon. That means that she was a, uh, had an official position in the church. A deacon means like a minister, somebody who serves. So she was a deacon in the church. And, and he says, receive her and, and, and receive her in a way worthy and, and give her the help that she might need. Support her, pay for her way. Um, support her as a minister of the gospel. And as a benefactor, she helped Paul she helped all sorts of people in the church. She was somebody that Paul was honoring. He was lifting up. And that's what we're doing today. On Mother's Day, we're lifting up all the, the mothers and, and, and mother-like figures in our life. All the people who showed us Jesus. All the people who, who've given us advice. All the people who've, who've nurtured us like a mother. I want to lift up also honor today my wife. I would not be here today if it wasn't for my wife. If there's any kind of confidence that I have as a human being, any kind of um, confidence I have to stand before you and preach God's word, it's because I have a, a stronger woman behind me, encouraging me, lifting me up, supporting me, holding me to account, forgiving me, showing me Jesus. I would not be the person I am today if it wasn't for my best friend, Emily. Paul goes on. He says in verse 3, he says, Now greet also Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Uh, we, we know quite a bit about Priscilla and Aquila. They're, they're mentioned quite a bit in the letter to the Corinthians and the book of Acts. Uh, they had to leave Rome because there was a persecution that broke out, especially among the Jews and the Jewish Christians. They were banished from Rome. And, and so they left there and had to flee there. And they ran into Paul and learned about the gospel and Jesus Christ. And then they became leaders in the church. Uh, Paul calls them co-workers. Not that they were that Priscilla was a second-class citizen, but Priscilla and her husband Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila were co-workers on the equal terms with Paul. In fact, when Apollos, one of Paul's co-workers, Apollos was a preacher, when Apollos was preaching, Priscilla welcomed Apollos into her home, and Priscilla, in a gentle way, tried to clean up his theology, clean up his preaching, teach him a, a better way to, to talk about Jesus. 
And so Paul calls them co-workers, people who laid down their life. This Priscilla laid down her life for Paul's ministry. And and I think about the same thing here at Victory. I want to honor and and, and show how much we value all the the women that do so much work here uh, at Victory. I think about, about our communications director, Sammy, who does, does so much work here. I want to honor her. I think about Liz, our, our, our children's ministry um, director, and all the hard work that she's doing behind the scenes. I want to talk about uh, Annie Beagie, who does our, our music ministry and, and makes this band, this, this incredible band, and puts all the music together and makes sure that works so well. I think about Laura, who just came on our staff, who's been doing all of our finances and, 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 and doing such a good job with that, doing things that I can't even begin to understand, right? And I think about Carrie, who just came on board, also uh, working here, working administrative assistant, all the hard work and all the design work, all the graphics, all the things that she's doing behind the scenes. I, I want to honor Nancy and all the work that she does with our, our media and the filming and the tireless hours that she puts in behind the scenes. I want to honor Cindy, uh, the woman who does all the work for our Victory Cafe. And, and we can't wait, Cindy, to, to eat some more of your food again. We miss that. I, that's what I hear over and over again. We just want to eat again. We don't care about anything else. We just want to eat again. I just want to honor those women and the many more uh, that I could go on and on and on who have lifted up this ministry, have made victory what victory is. And we want to continue to raise up and honor um, women in our, in our churches, in our communities, in our home. And we, we got, still have a long way to go on that. Would you join me in that? And then Paul also says, in his final greetings here, he also says in Romans 16, verse 13, he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. This is kind of an interesting little story here. Many people believe that this Rufus is connected to the Rufus mentioned in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, there is this scene where Jesus is carrying his cross and he's stumbling over and over again. He's exhausted. He can't carry the cross anymore to Golgotha. And so they pick out of the crowd a man named Simon. And Simon, it says, is the father of Rufus and Alexander. And he begins to carry the cross. And there's this early Christian tradition that, that because Simon carried Jesus' cross, he was so moved by this moment that he became a Christian too. And so did Rufus and Alexander, his sons. And now Paul is saying, greet Rufus and his mother, who's been like a mother to me. See, when Paul looked at the, the women in the congregation He didn't look at them as as second-class citizens. He looked at them as this mother figure. In fact, when he's teaching Timothy how to be a good pastor, he writes this letter to a, a young man who's going to become a pastor, and he tells Timothy, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. You can tell that Paul has spent a lot of time with Jesus because he was not getting advice about how to treat women from the Roman culture of the day. Paul looked at women, and if they were older women, he says, you treat them like mothers. And if they're younger women, you don't treat them like objects. You treat them like family. You treat them like sisters. And men, we have a long way to go on this. In the church, in the community, in the home, to treat older women as mothers and younger women like you would treat your sister with absolute purity and love and concern. And that's what Mother's Day is all about. So we want to raise up the women in our lives. We want to honor them, all the people who have done so much, um, and we want to value them, not as second-class citizen, but as as the people, as, as Sammy said earlier, the people who have changed 
the world, who've revealed God to us. Now, I'm concerned, as everybody else is, about this virus. I'm concerned about its spread. And so we're doing all the things, you know, the stay-at-home things. But, but I'm also even more concerned about the people where it's not safer at home. The, the, the mental, the emotional, the physical abuse, the, the, the women and the children who are put in very vulnerable situations. And, and what's the answer to that? I don't think the answer is to wipe out genders is to try to eliminate genders. I think what the answer is, and it's, and it's not about getting rid of the Bible, and it's not about distancing ourselves from the Bible, as if the Bible was the problem for inequality and for, for harm and abuse. It's not the Bible that's the problem. It's sin. It's us. And the answer is Jesus. So spend some time with Jesus, because nobody was afraid to be around Jesus. Everybody was safe around Jesus. So men, spend some time with Jesus because Jesus was safe and you'll be safe. Women, spend some time with Jesus because then you'll be strong and healed because Jesus heals. Women, men, spend some time with Jesus because then we'll be safe everywhere. Safer at home, safer at work, safer at community, safer in the church. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your creation. We thank you that for the, the creativity and the artistry, the, the beauty, the wonder of your created world and how you created so many wonderful things. And one of the, the wonders and the beauties that you have created is, is different genders, men and women, and all the different qualities they bring to the table. Lord God, lead both men and women to Reflect your qualities of love, of faithfulness, of all the life-giving qualities. Forgive us anytime we would turn away from, from, from you and not reflect who you are to the world. Forgive us for anytime we would hurt or harm one another or belittle one another or not see in the other person the image of God. Jesus, let us spend some time with you. Heal our hearts and lead us in the way of everlasting. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.